Welcome to the New England Football Show, sponsored by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. Gentlemen, how are you on this first full, well, actually, second Monday in October? What the hell am I talking about? How are you doing on this second Monday in October? Columbus Day, by the way. Doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah, fall is here. It feels like it now. I mean, it was pretty cool yesterday. Oh. and. It was chilly today. I mean, I'm I'm getting to that point now, and Kirch, and I think you'll agree with me. This this is not for me. I need it to be warmer. I, I'm not a fan of this weather. I'm already sick of wearing the hoodies. Not a lot uh, of heat, not a lot of heated press boxes. So no, and it's only gonna get worse from here, unfortunately. And all the fake winter and fall lovers around here. And let's face it, people like stone or phonies. I mean, they pretend like this. The thing that drives you nuts about New Englanders is they fancy themselves on being tough. And they're not. They're the biggest weather wimps in America. They're a laughing stock when it comes to the weather. They're the weakest people in the country. It's laughable to me. So they're a bunch of wusses. Anyway, I do want to remind you that we are brought to you by Mortgage Right. If you are ready to sell your current home or buy your first home, well, it's time for you to talk to our good friend, Herb Devine. Give him a call at 781-254-2846. You can also email him at situate.mortgageright.com. Herb and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to assist you in the pro in the process. With over 25 years of experience, Herb is one of the top lending loan officers in the area. If you are ready to make your next real estate purchase and you need a loan officer who can get you into the right program, well, that's Herb Devine, 781-254-2846, or shoot him an email at situate.mortgageright.com. All right, gentlemen. We're going to start with the Patriots, although, quite frankly, if they keep playing like this, I don't know how much longer we're going to be opening the show with them. They lose to the New Orleans Saints 34 to nothing yesterday in what I can only say is one of the humili most humiliating losses that, quite frankly, I'm 48 years old, that, quite frankly, I can ever remember this team suffering through. And I've seen a lot of bad Patriots football. I'm not one of those people like, Stone's generation that thinks that the Patriots started in 2000 with Belichick's arrival and Brady being drafted. Uh, this this was bad. There's no other way to put it. The Patriots are a mess. I don't know how you fix it. I said this yesterday to Kevin during the game. I said this to John Lyons on the postgame show. I'd like to think having over 30 years of football experience, regardless of what level I coach at, that I might have a clue or two on things that I might do if I were in, in that situation, and I can't think of anything. I honestly don't know how to fix this mess right now. I can't tell if they're just a really bad football team or these guys are underachieving and are unmotivated. I, I can't tell which one it is because on paper, this team should not be this bad. I mean, I know that they don't have any grade-A weapons for Mac Jones and they don't have elite-level talent, but come on. This football team should not be this bad. 90% of this team is back from last year. It was the same team that went 8-9 and had a shot to make the playoffs with no offensive coordinator. How are they this bad? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, look, I know the Patriots didn't start with Brady. Um, I was I, I can remember the, the Parcells and Pete Carroll days. Nothing felt that bad. Um, as yesterday. Or, Those were good days, Kevin. Yeah. If, well, you, I mean, if you really want to feel pain, as Adam well, and I lived through, go back to 89, 90, 91. That's pain. Yeah, it's funny. I, I texted my dad that yesterday during the game. He said, now you know what it felt like. Uh, and I think a lot of fans feel that way. The, big, the, the, the two biggest things 
for me is one of my buddies texted me yesterday and he said, this is the first time as a diehard, you know, psycho Patriots fan, he had no interest in watching them. And if that's how he feels, I can't imagine many other people don't feel that way. Um, so the crafts are, we talked about this yesterday, and they're not going to lose business this year, but it's coming if it keeps looking like this. And I think that's when you'll see drastic changes. Look, I think we all agree. I still don't think Belichick will be relieved of his duties in season, uh, but the conversation can get louder now at, at the very least. Um, how can it not? And I wrote this today. If you're the defense, there's a checkout factor coming. If you're a one-win team still, you know, let's call it around Thanksgiving. How can you not? It's human nature. Um, how can defensive players in that locker room look at the offense and say, you know, I'm going to come to work every day and um, and still, you know, bust my ass when, when the results aren't there? So there's a whole lot wrong. I'm with you. I have no idea where to start. Um, Belichick says he's starting over. To me, that would mean either Roe Greer or uh, Malik Cunningham. And I don't think we're going to see either of those. So at this point, he has to go down with the ship. Whether it's Bailey Zappi or Mac, it's one of those two guys. Because if you over, Stone froze in the middle of his opinion there. So. Yeah, I know. So, you with us or what? <laughs> there he is. There he is. We can't hear you. Can you hear me now? No. Yes. Jesus Christ. Um, Don't blame it on a higher power. So, no, look, the, as I was saying, there's there's going to be a checkout factor, and I don't know if you are starting over, then that means a brand-new quarterback, and it's not Zappi or Mack. So if that's the case, then you're a team that's looking at a top-three draft pick, and I don't think they're ever going to get that bad. But if you're a one-win team and you still have to go to well, Germany. If you're a one-win team, you're going to have the number one pick. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. So They're not going to be a one-win team. They're going to win more than one game. So my biggest thing is – I know they've looked like ass the last two weeks, but they're going to win more than one game. Right, and I hope I would like to think so. I mean, you said it. The talent is not one-win team bad. Yeah, so. They're not They're not a one-in-four football team on paper. I don't give a rat's ass what anybody says. No, but so – again, I wrote this today. If you're one of those defensive players or a player in general and you have to get on a plane and go to Germany or go to Denver on Christmas Eve and leave your family at, let's say, three wins – you know, how motivated are you with that? Well, point? you're motivated because you're getting paid millions of dollars. That's not – and I'm not, so. I'm not flipping out on you per se, but I don't want to hear that. You're getting paid millions of dollars. So spare me though. well, they're going to go to Germany and they're going to give up time with their families. Yeah, oh, well, well, if you're making five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million a year, I, I think they'll be just fine. The, the reason no. you show up and you bust your ass and you do what you're supposed to is because you're getting paid. Just like I, you, just like you would do it, just like Adam does it, just like I do it. If, if it's enough for us to get paid and show up and do our job, then it sure as shit should be enough for those guys. So no. I, I'm just – I've heard that from other people too, Kevin. It's not just you. Enough with that checkout bullshit. They get paid. They need to show up and do their job. So I agree with you. I'm just not sure they're going to. That's the problem. Well, they should. And Absolutely. if they don't, then those aren't guys you want in your locker room next year and they should move on from them. And I think that's where they're at right now. I think there's a lot of guys in that locker room. As much as they preach, you know, hey, we have the right leaders and stuff, Yesterday says otherwise because they quit yesterday. The head coach quit yesterday too um, on several occasions. And, you know, we can get into it. 
whether it's not calling a timeout before the half to try and save time and uh, maybe score some points or or punting on on fourth down in Saints territory. He quit yesterday too. Well, so, I don't think uh, he quit. I think that that's that's absurd. But anyway, go ahead. Either way, um, you can disagree with the decision, but to say that he quit is asinine. They're in trouble, and um, I don't know. There isn't a way to fix it. I don't think this season. And you, I know you said that earlier yeah. today as well on the site. Um, there isn't a way to fix it. I'm not sure how much worse this gets, but I think it's going to get a lot worse. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things about this when I start to think about it is there's no one fix to their problems. They have a lot of things they need to fix. It, it, I don't think it's one draft. I don't think it's one free agency cycle. I don't think it's one coaching change. I, I think it's almost everything. Um, and I think, you know, they've, they've got a long way to go. And it's, and that's what makes it so, it, that's what makes it so intimidating because you watch a team like San Francisco, do you know how many levels above? And, and that's the thing is the Patriots were just there a few years ago. You know, it was not that long ago when this is elite team in the NFL and you, they made the playoffs, you know, they, I have to think that it's it, it doesn't take as long as it might. But really, when you look at this team, look at the offensive line. It's kind of a mess right now. And I don't know if, you know, Adrian Clem can solve it or anything. I think it's personnel. It's, it's getting guys in there who can make the blocks. And then, again, everybody's going to say this, but it's true. At wide receiver, they're just not a representative group. They're not a group. That is going to scare you. They don't have anybody in that wide receiver group that's that's ter- just terrific. So I just feel like personnel-wise, especially offensively, and I don't know, you know, I'm not looking at these all 22s with Bill O'Brien and stuff. I don't know what they're not doing schematically, but if you don't have great players, you're not going to have a great offense. And they're finding out that now. So what do they have to do? Well, it's kind of taking the long road home is you have to have one, two, three good drafts. You have to be smart in free agency. You got to have people who want to come there. So, you know, I just think there's a lot of things that they need to do. Again, like people talk about getting rid of Belichick. Okay. But I don't think that is – I don't think any coach would would do a great job with this roster. But then again – that's Belichick's sort of making is this roster. So uh, I, he obviously deserves a ton of the blame. But, you know, maybe Kraft says, okay, I want a clean slate. I want a fresh start. by Bill. And maybe that's their way back. But it is, you know, teams, if you look at, like, where the Bills were before McDermott got there and, you know, what, what Miami was for a long time, teams like that, it took forever for them to build. Right, it. You don't want to go all the way. This is the thing. And I don't mean to cut you off, Adam. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think you want to go all the way down. I know that the one place you don't want to be in the football world today is in the middle. You either want to be at the top or the bottom. But the problem is with being at the bottom. If you go all the way to the bottom, as much as the NFL is a quick fix league, there's no guarantee based on those two teams you just mentioned that it's going to be a quick fix. It could take you a long time to get back to the top. Yeah, and you you start recycling quarterbacks, you're like Miami after they lost Marino. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, 
people think that oh, if or I or Buffalo I, after Jim Kelly, right? Exactly. I mean, it's just like it is not easy to find a, a good player at that position just by like say they say they have the number five pick in this year's draft. There's no guarantee that like a good player is going to be there, and even if there is somebody who's good, you know, he might underperform once he gets to the league. You never know. You can get stuck. Like I mean. Patriots fans haven't had to deal with this much in the in last a long time. In twenty three years, is it? Right. Last time they dealt with this stone was twelve. So this that so am I right? Twenty three, you're thirty five. So yeah, you can get you can yeah. get stuck in 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 limbo, man. You can get stuck there, and it can be a hard place to be. I mean, I'm a, a Washington Commanders fan, <laughs> and uh, you know th- when I lived in that area. They were good. We went to playoff games, Super Bowls, all that stuff. Think of the 30 years since then. Yeah. It's been, it's been, They're another can, great example. You, you <laughs> they can, might be the best example. You can get stuck there, man. And yeah. you can, and it's so hard to get out of. So tread lightly. You don't know exactly what you're in for. I think that's a great point, too, because I know that fans and media alike right now want a, want a pound of flesh. But the reality is, you know, even talking to people yesterday – well, you know what, tank and and go for Drake May and bring in Ben Johnson. Okay, I mean, could work. Drake May is is a talented quarterback who should be a starter in this league, and if he plays up to his ability, could be one for a long time. Ben Johnson has proven to be a creative play designer and play calling in Detroit. Only thing I'll say is what has Detroit won since he's been there, though? I guess we really can't judge him until we get through this season. But for me... Look, I get no one wants to be in the middle, but be careful what you wish for with this tank talk and sucking to get a top three pick. That's not necessarily the quickest way back because you can also draft the Drake May and he could fizzle out and not be the guy. And guess what? Now you're looking at another two or three years of either drafting the guy, hoping you draft the right guy, and then hoping he develops in that span. So I I think that this, I don't want to see them bottom out here because I don't think there's a guaranteed fix if they bought him out. Now, this is a Major League Baseball, right? If if you bought him out in baseball, you're going to suck ass for seven or eight years. That's not the case in football, but as Adam said, you look at the Washington Redskins slash Commanders, the Dolphins, the Bills, it took those organizations a very long time to come back. Real quick, uh, Tom Rogers checks in, so what's really going on on the inside with the team? Well, we have a lighthouse. Well, that's got to be the other thing, to Kevin's point. If you're the Crafts, you spent over $300 million on that project, and this is not the year to be as bad as they are when you're trying to upsell that project and trying to sell boxes and trying to sell the Patriots experience. Not only that, I will say the bar is pretty nice, um, the one on field level now. But, yeah, look, if (laughs) – and, again, you you pointed this out to me yesterday. Season tickets are already sold. So, like, uh, people are either going to give them away as Christmas gifts or – you know, yeah. stuff like that. And I go back to the Cincinnati game, you know, last year on Christmas Eve. Granted, it was like two degrees outside, but you could you could get in for, what, five bucks? Like, I think that's where we're heading late in the season. But even still, that building is still going to be full. Like, and again, it's still it's still a place to go on Sundays. It's, it's still a place you want to be seen at. You know, it's like Fenway being a tourist attraction. So let's turn into that now. Um, so the fans are still going to show up. But if it's this bad, then it's going to – you'll have, you know, call it 45,000 
instead of 68. And they'll notice that. So, um, again, you need to – they need to be careful. Adam's right. But um, I think they're going to start to see it in the um, in the stands and um, just in terms of overall interest, especially nationally. You were joking yesterday. You don't have to worry about that being, you know, flexed into primetime anytime soon. No. Um, Although Jim Nance and Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson is going to be the, uh, the CBS team for Sunday's game. Yeah, but the schedule – the CBS slate yeah. of games is weak, so that's I, that's probably the reason why. Yeah, yeah. But I, I also think it's it's real quick. I do want to point out too that I think again, I know everybody wants an explanation. I know that everybody wants to speculate on what could happen. I know everyone outside the organization thinks they might have answers, but I'm telling you right now, it, I don't care what level of football it is. When things are going bad, it's hard to turn things around. Look, I've been a head coach of a one in 10 team. It's hard to turn things around. It really is. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, they've all, they've all said the same things. You know, yesterday they talked about working hard and doing more and looking in the mirror. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, eventually either the cream rises and the talent plays up to their ability, or you just have no success. You keep losing and you have a bad season. That's just the way it is. So you could sit there and say whatever you want, at the end of these games, it's not going to matter because, quite frankly, guys have underachieved, the attitude of the team sucks, and the team's not very good. And I think at the end of the day, you add all that up, you get one in four and 11 points per game. Yeah. Um, what I don't want to see is this team tank. And I don't think they will. And I no, don't I don't think, think so either. I don't think it, they have I don't think they have potentially, no. Yeah, I know, yeah. I Like – I don't think they'll – they're doing a fine job of making it look like they're tanking anyway. Right. But, um, but like I said, there's no there's no easy answer. There's no quick fix. If there was a quick fix, this team would be maybe two and three, three and two. You know, that it wouldn't be where they're sitting at, and it wouldn't look as ugly as it looks now. A lot of things have to go wrong for them to be where they are at this point, and that's just – I mean, it's not like a, a sexy answer, but they, they just don't have a lot of – they have so many pieces not doing their job right now. And there's, you know, so you know, so people want to get rid of Belichick and stuff. But okay. But I would make maybe some smaller tinkers. I, I, I think something has to happen with the personnel department of the Patriots. They, they, he needs more help for the draft. Like, they just – a lot of these draft pieces, they this is this upcoming draft is going to be absolutely huge for this team because they can't stay this bad, you know, this long. But it's possible. Like when you get this bad, it is hard to get out of that place, just because so many things are going wrong, and that's always what it is. Like, like hey, you might, you might get Drake May. Say you get Drake May at the fifth pick of the draft, six or whatever. Okay. What are you going to do about your awful offensive line? Because and then you put him in against the bad offensive line, and you could sort of ruin his confidence. That's why I say, oh, what do the Patriots do? Well, they got to do like thirty things to even get back on the right track. So, um, you know, you've seen it in other teams, like we said, but they really have a lot of work to do, and I don't think any one single thing is going to do it. Well, I also don't think anything in season is going to fix it. No. Okay, so he talked about making changes yesterday. What changes are you going to make? If you're thinking that he's going to make drastic changes, let me tell you what a drastic change looks like. 
He strips Bill O'Brien of play calling duties. Is he going to do that? No. And nor should he because O'Brien is working with what he has to work with. He shuffles the deck and he gives Gerard Mayo the defense. Is he going to do that? Probably not. The defense hasn't played that bad. He's not stepping down, obviously. So the only the only drastic change here, realistically, there's, there's a couple. One, you bench Jones and you go to either Zappi or one of these other guys. Or two, you, you swing a trade, bring in a veteran offensive lineman or a veteran skill guy, and you hope that they make a difference. Or you trade for a veteran quarterback and you bring them in and they come in and you let them compete for the starting job and hope that they do enough to help you salvage the season and win five or six games. My point is you're not going to make any drastic changes now. It's not going to happen. You're in season. You're stuck with what you have. I know people are out there saying, well, maybe they can go get Jerry Judy. Okay. Well, if Jerry Judy was that good, the Broncos would be better. They're not. They're one and four as well. So let's not sit there and say stupid things for the sake of saying stupid things. Again, like I said earlier, I know everybody wants their pound of flesh here, but the reality is this team is what they are right now. It's a team that's underachieving, unmotivated, and not very good. And the bottom line is you're going to have to sit through this, whether you like it or not, ladies and gentlemen, because unless the light comes on for some of these guys and they decide they want to play, this team's going to be a bad football team, and you're looking at 3-14, and 4-13. and 13. So that's a reality. Now, the good news is you'll have a top five pick. The bad news is, as we said earlier, you better make next year's draft count because if you end up back there a year from now, year and a half from now, now you're in that cycle where you're a bad football team and it could take you a while to get out of it. All right, Sunday they're going to take on old friend Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders, of course, are playing tonight against the Packers. Um, Look, on paper, this at the beginning of the year, I think we all thought was a winnable game. Now, I don't think you could say that. I think it's going to be a slog. I think it's going to be a game that could go either way. But right now, if I were a betting man, I'd put my money on the Raiders. Yeah, no reason to believe that this offense can keep up with Vegas. And look, I know Vegas hasn't been you know, a world beater, but they still have a lot more talent than you do on offense. So uh, I also expect another blow at this point. Until we see otherwise, why should we believe this team's going to be competitive? So uh, I think it's going to be ugly again. This is the what could have been bowl because, you know, the uh, Raiders have Jacoby Myers, you know, um, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And say what you want about Garoppolo, I would take him over Mac Jones for sure. And that would have been a smoother transition. But, I mean, they were sort of forced into that, I guess. Um and Myers is the receiver that they're really missing, or one of the receivers they're really missing, who in a realistic way you could have had. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, the Raiders are more talented. And, you know, I just feel like the, the Patriots are in a bad way right now. Although having this game, it gives them a really good opportunity to sort of right the ship to an extent. Um, but I think, I think um, you know, Vegas a little bit, a little bit better, more talented. Yeah, I think that's going to be the difference too. And and we didn't get to to talk about this, but you know, last year we all know how bad the offense was. The operation wasn't very good. Judge and Patricia were the whipping boys. Patricia was a pinata. He got smacked around left and right by the media and everyone alike. Five games into last year, this team was averaging twenty point six points per game. 
Five games into this season, they're averaging 11 points a game. They have scored 55 points in five games. That's bad. They have a turnover differential of minus eight. Mac Jones has thrown as many pick sixes in his career as Tom Brady did in 20 years here. I mean, again, this is this is what I'm saying. And I'm a Bill O'Brien fan. And, and I think eventually some of this is going to start to fall on him. I don't know when that's going to happen. But I think at the end of the day, they hired him in January, and we all said, okay, there's an adult in charge of the offense now. Now they're going to get back on track. Now they have a real coordinator. Okay, well, guess what? They were better last year. And like I said, about 90% of this roster is back from last year. Now, I think a big difference that people aren't talking about is, and this is even before Judon got hurt, this team was second in the NFL in sacks and turnovers last year. They're not generating any pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and they're certainly not generating turnovers. And when your offense is this bad, they need extra possessions. This defense can't get those extra possessions for them right now. Special teams isn't helping either. No, they're the worst special great. teams in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, look at Jabril Preppers yesterday. You know, fair catching a ball in the five. And he knew it right away, but, you know, even still. Um, and I was a Chad Ryland guy. Um, I wanted them to go with him over folk. Couldn't have been more wrong right now. Um, nothing is going right. And, and just to go back to the Raiders real quick, don't forget about Max Crosby on the other side too. He's going to be a huge factor in this game. And you've shown no ability to, to stop anybody. So, uh, again, I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I mean, the funny uh, – not the funny, but, I mean, the the part about this is really strange is there's only you're only five games in. You know, like the, the season's barely started, and this is the earliest I can remember in a long time since the since really those old '90s and '80s days, since uh since people considered the season basically to be over. You know, and it's just like let's fast forward to the off season, fast forward to the draft, fast forward to free agency next year, and I'm not, that can really be a toxic mindset over the course of a season to just sort of be like, well, we're done. We can't win. It it depends on, you know, they're going to have to, they, they're going to have to play these games. And they, and they, they could turn it around. Yeah. Right. There's well, enough time they, I, I think playoff talk needs to be shelved. That ain't happening, but you could turn it around and all of a sudden, Hey, listen, if this team went eight and nine, I, I think you should take that at this point as a Patriots fan. Oh my God. A hundred percent. Eight and nines. Yeah. That's almost, like too optimistic, yeah. But um, and they could turn it around. Listen, you know how it is. Pro sports is, it's all about getting on a run and and getting into a rhythm and a routine. And they could do that, but they have not shown us any reason to think they they could. And by the way, they haven't started a season at one and four since two thousand, which of course was Bill Belichick's first year. Yeah. So it's it's rough. I mean, again, you're right, John. There's nothing they can really do in terms of big changes during no. the season, there's nothing they can really do um, or, or without, you know, they can make a big negative change. You know, I, I think if they, if they got rid of Belichick after next week or something, I don't think that would help. No, but that, but that's sending a message to everybody saying, we're going to do something different. But Unless I, you did that to audition mail to see if he could be your guy. Right. So yeah, it's it's but I don't think they'd make that move this soon. You probably wouldn't see a move like that until December. Right. 
it's just it's it's so bad. I mean, it's you know, with Belichick, he does so many different things for that team. Yeah. He is, he is true. You know, he gets plenty he gets plenty of credit for the Super Bowl wins, but for this season he also deserves the blame for a lot of it. So um Yeah, yeah. I agree. Now, real quick, uh, before we move on to college football here, I wanted to get your thoughts on the post-game comments because I talked about this yesterday with Lions. I'm tired of the same standard stuff. After the first two games, Mac Jones was getting up there and telling us how it was all his fault and he's got to play better and he's got to do more. Now, all of a sudden, he's turned into Zach Wilson. It's, you know, we're not ready to play. Guys have to work hard. You know, we have to go back and watch the film. And it's the same hokey pokey bullshit. Now, listen, I know I'm not going to get anything out of Belichick, so I have zero expectations. I love I, I love the candor that Dietrich Wise, you know, talks to the media with. I love Hunter Henry up at the podium. He's always honest. He wears it on his sleeve. Same thing with Judon. But, I mean, come on, man. You threw a pick six yesterday. Now, I did post – a picture and my thoughts on what happened on that play. It most of it wasn't Mac's fault. What was Mac's fault was you didn't have a throw that you got to eat it and take the sack and lift to play the next down. He didn't do that. He tried to force it. He tried to make a play and it blew up in his face. They were in one rat. He picked it. See you later. But what really bothers me is at some point, and this does include Belichick, at some point, you're going to need to start being honest with your fan base and the media. Now, you don't have to spill all of the beans, but for Christ's sakes, let some of them hit the table because people are getting tired of the same BS in these post-game press conferences. It's funny. I looked at you yesterday when we were trying to finish our stories, and I couldn't hear the audio from Bill because he mumbled so quietly. Yeah, because he took down the NFL network microphone. Which I want to get both of your thoughts on that. I didn't notice it at the time, but like, how is he getting away with that? Like, there has to be a findable offense of some sort, no? Um, but to your point, for Mac Jones to literally every transcript now, when he speaks, is the exact same. And you it's said almost, it best yesterday. It's word salad. It really is. And it's it's almost the exact same thing every single time now. So at some point, look, obviously they're trained in what to say and they go through media classes and, and all that. But you're right. Like, own up to it. or and I shouldn't say own up to it because he has, he has publicly, you know, said the right thing, but the right thing isn't working anymore. So now start explaining why or, or something. You're right. There needs to be more, um, I guess, detailed accountability. accountability yeah. It's not going to happen. I don't think. No, no, they don't want to give us any ammunition to, to use against them. And, um, you know, it's funny, like sometimes when Mac is saying stuff, it's like he's trying to say the right thing, but at the same time, it's not really genuine. You know, like, because you hear a report, there was that one um, where, where somebody close to Mac talked. Uh, From uh, Henry McKenna last night. Yeah, yep. right. And he said that, uh, you know, oh, he doesn't. it doesn't matter if you're – groceries or garbage or something like that. I think that's closer to the truth. I mean, he sort of denied it on, on the radio show, uh, uh, Jones and Mego. But I, I just feel like, you know, 
Well, the other thing I wonder is how much does Mac still have the locker room and his teammates on his side? Because anytime somebody asks, they say, oh, yeah, we love Mac, but I don't know. Like everything that's happened over the past couple of years and his, um, you know, just his poor play. And it, it, I just feel like I'm wondering how many guys in there are still behind Mac. Well, Adam, to your point, and you've been in there before, the walkers are all very, very, you know, tight and, and close together. The few times when he is in there, when the media is in there, there is very little to no interaction with teammates. Um, and look, they all said the right things last year and really didn't have a reason to to side with him or Zappy. That was more the staff putting those guys in an awkward situation, I think. But in terms of, you know, interaction with his teammates and stuff, there isn't a lot. Um, and I don't know if there's, we can take anything from that, but I do feel like they are starting to, to not trust him. And again, when you're throwing a pick six and putting the team behind almost every game, how can you look at him and, and have any thought that you're in a game with him as your quarterback? Right. No, I think, I think it's a valid point. Tom checks back in, shake it up, give Cunningham a chance. He's a playmaker. Show the team you're willing to explore than you. Yeah. Thanks for checking in, Tom. Really appreciate it. I'll take Will Greer at this point. I said it last week, and at the time I thought to myself, all right, be careful, you know, don't get on the silly train. But I would rather at this point, if this keeps up, if they lose again Sunday and Mac plays like crap and they end up going back to Zappy and he plays like crap, I would not be opposed to, to giving Will Greer more reps and possibly giving him a look at some point in the middle of the season, because I, I just think to me, can it get any worse? And the national media, by the way, is full on defending Mac, that this is all on the system. This is all on Belichick. He surrounded him with nothing. It's not Mac's fault. No quarterback could succeed in this system. No quarterback could succeed playing behind this offensive line. They are full on, you know, the ESPN yahoos bumping their gums in the morning. Of course, Rex Ryan, has to give us his two cents with his stupid opinion. But it, it it just, it's, listen, you can sit there and defend Jones all you want. I don't care what anybody says. If you are really looking at this objectively, he has not played well the last three weeks. He's a big part of the problem. He needs to start playing better. And yes, we're not stupid because we cover this team every day, okay? You're in that locker room multiple times a week. We have one of the best media groups in all of football covering this team. Pros that do their job and they do it well, okay? We're around this team more than anybody in the national media is. We're not stupid to the fact that this offensive line is not very good. We know their skill group lacks a playmaker. We know all that, but guess what? That's not the only reason the offense is struggling. He is not playing well. Stop pretending like it's Belichick and O'Brien and the coaches and not poor Mac. It's a combination of things. To so, your point about the, to your point about the media, Phil Perry deserves an award for what he did this morning. Um, I'm not sure if you guys heard it, but just going back and forth with Bill and holding his feet to the fire. Um, but yeah, you're right. Guys like him, guys like Andrew Callahan, like Mike Giardi, Adam, you you've been around all those guys. Um, you know how hard they work, and um, you're right. The, the national media, they're just taking shots to take shots at this point. Um, and, and it goes back partly to, to what we talked about, about, you know, Belichick's dealings with the media, but you're right. They're talking out of their ass when they're saying that. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's move on to college. But before we do that, I do want to remind you guys who are watching and will be listening eventually. You are watching slash listening to the New England Football Show, sponsored by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by Stone and Kirkchen. Just want to remind you that if you are in the market to buy your first home or sell your current home, give our good friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846. With over 25 years of experience in the real estate business as a lender and loan officer, he can help you get into a program that works for you. Again, give him a call at 781-254-2846. You can also email Herb and his team at situate.mortgageright.com. Do it today. They have the experience you need to help you get on the right track in your next real estate purchase. All right, let's talk some college football here because we could talk about the Patriots for the next hour, and I think we'd be talking about the same thing. Let's start with Harvard, who is the number one team in our top 16 poll, which will be published tonight. They defeat Cornell on Friday night, 41-23. Of course, RJ Hamilton was there with full coverage of the game. Crimson improved to 4-0. They will host Howard on Saturday. This team looks pretty good right now, and we talked about this last week. We didn't see this with them. They got all of our attention last week with that big win over Holy Cross. The train keeps rolling. Charles DePrima, another big game. Running game is really good. Offensive line, despite having three new starters, has been excellent. Defense is doing their part. Front seven, one of the best in the Ivy League. They're playing like it. This team is lights out right now. Best team in the Ivy League by far. Um, and I know we keep saying it, that the Ivy League is always competitive every week. And um, it is, but they're making it look too easy right now. Um, Charles DePrima, what he's done, again, I keep going back. They didn't know he was a starting quarterback two months ago. And now he's leading an offense that's arguably one of the best in the country. So what they're doing is just, it's a credit to Tim Murphy, who um, tied, I believe, the all-time Ivy League wins record with 150 uh, with that win. So he can break it next week against Dartmouth, um, they're, they're a wagon. They're a certifiable wagon. Every year they have a good defense, especially up front. They have it again this year. Offensive line is always good. You mentioned it. They're rolling again. Um, always have a good running back. They still have a good running game. There are no weaknesses on this team right now. Uh, they need to be – they are – they should be the favorite in the Ivy League, and I really can't see them not winning it unless something drastically changes. I agree. Um, DePrima with three touchdown passes and three touchdown runs. I mean, I don't know what else you want to ask from the guy. Um, the only frustrating thing, the only frustrating part of this for me is that they don't get to play for an FCS championship. It's yep. Ivy League championship or bust. The dumbest thing ever. And this team, if you really look at this team and all the different facets, they could make a real run if they were in that tournament. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me that those guys from all over the country playing from Harvard wouldn't want at least one shot at a North Dakota State, Montana State, uh, you know, South Dakota State. Like, they would love to take I – mean, look what they did to Holy Cross. And that is the only time anybody's going to do something like that to Holy Cross, I think, uh, this year. Um so I think Harvard's going to have a great season. I think they're going to win the Ivy League. And I, I know, you know, look, I know the Ivy League's a good league, a very good league, and somebody could come up and snipe them. I just feel like this is Harvard's year to win the league. Um, and DePrima's just a tremendous player. But, uh, but again, I'm frustrated because I would love to see 
Harvard go up against one of those powerhouses in the FCS playoffs, and we're not going to see it. It's too bad. Yeah, that, it is too that, bad. It that, is. Just to that point, they're number 18 in the country right now. Like, by the end of the year, they could be a top 10, top 15 team. Easily. And, and be done, which is ridiculous. You know, and I've talked about this with people in the league, and they all agree. It's 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 a couple of presidents that are holding this whole thing up. There's a lot of support for allowing the Ivy League schools to play in the playoffs. The coaches all want it. The players want it. And some of the presidents want it. But not everyone is on board with it. And I'm not going to name names, but I think the people in the Ivy League world know who's not on board with it. And it's a shame. It's a shame because these people have a lot of pull and could probably make it happen if they wanted it and they don't want it. And that's that's just too bad. And I think the hypocrisy in all this for me is, is you allow your teams to play in tournaments in these other sports. So the hockey team at Harvard could play in the bean pot. They can, they can make the NCAA tournament. They can make the NCAA tournament play in March Madness in basketball. They can make it in lacrosse. You allow them to play in tournaments in all of those sports but you don't allow them to do it in the one sport that, let's face it, when it comes to Ivy League athletics, the Ivy League is a football league first, always has been. It's known for its football. And the fact that you don't allow your football programs who bring in the most money and attention to your athletic department, that's that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. Yeah, and John, just to that point, you know, you might get a home playoff game. So you don't want that revenue? You don't want yeah. that income, like no. Apparently, they don't. No, I mean, these schools, but these schools also have massive endowments, and they don't True. necessarily need the money either. True. So <clears throat> that's the other part of it. Unfortunately, Governor's Cup game between URI and Brown was fantastic. It was a shootout, like we thought it would be. Rams win thirty-four thirty to win their fifth straight Governor's Cup. Look, no shame in losing here for Brown. James Perry and that staff have done a tremendous job. That offense is one of the best in New England, one of the best in FCS. They're going to be a problem every single week. They host Princeton on Saturday. For the Rams, they improved to 4-2, and two, and they got a big one at home on Saturday against Richmond. This is another one of those trap games that URI has had a hard time winning in recent years. If they want to stay in the CAA conversation and the at-large playoff conversation, this is a game they've got to have on Saturday. Again, <clears throat> they host Richmond. Uh, Bryant, coming off a bye, will be at home against Robert Morris. That's a homecoming game for the Bulldogs, a winnable game. Hopefully they take care of business. UNH is coming off a bye at 2-3. and three. They're going to host Albany on Saturday. Our Ryan Barry is going to be there for that one. The Wildcats will have had two weeks to prepare for Albany. They're hoping that they could get back on track. Maine coming off a competitive loss to Richmond is back home on Saturday. They host LIU in a game that they should win. Uh, Yale beat Dartmouth in a really, really good game. Bulldogs are back home this Saturday against Sacred Heart. Dartmouth hits the road. They travel to Colgate on Saturday in a game that's winnable for them. Uh, let's talk about UConn. UConn had a huge win. They finally got off the schneid after starting the season 0-5. The Huskies pick up their first win of the season going down to Houston and beating the Rice Owls 38-35. Man, that they need this. If a program ever needed a win, this was the game. This was the program. Congratulations to Jim Mora and the Huskies for picking up their first win. Biggest thing there is um, they didn't quit on more. That's very, very easy to do, um, especially when you're 0 and 6, 0 and 5, whatever they were. 
So the fact that they didn't quit on him and went and beat a good rice team, that's a good offense. Um, Jim Moore talked about it earlier in the week. He knew JT Daniels very well. Um, he had recruited him and, and kind of known him since he was a kid. So um, that's a huge win for them. Look, they're probably not going to make a bowl again this year. But at the very least, again, they showed some backbone, but they didn't quit. Uh, and it gives the fan base reason to believe that, you know, Moore can can get this team to, you know, say four wins this year or something like that and, and not have it be a complete disaster. Yeah, um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I agree they're probably not going to go to a bowl. And I also agree that one of the good things to come out of this is that the team hasn't quit. You know, that's that's a good team, especially considering – they fell behind by two touchdowns in that game early on. So they sure could have quit uh, if that was in the cards for them, but it wasn't. Um, I think the offense showed some efficiency. Um, Taquan Roberson, the quarterback, went 15 of 19 for 215 yards and two touchdowns. And Victor Rosa, look, the running game's back. Uh, he had 89 yards rushing. He didn't get in the end zone, but he had a long of 20. So I think – you know, this team is still playing, and they're still fighting. And that's all you can ask for at this point in the season when you start off 0-5. And, and so are they going to string off seven straight wins? No, probably not. But they, they're going to fight, and they're going to be in it. And I think they're going to look a little bit more like we thought they would at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, of course, they have a bye this week. So comes at the right time. They have an opportunity now to go into that bye, get healthy, get some guys back, and, and look to build some momentum. The schedule's tough. I mean, they still got to play Tennessee. They're going to come up here and play Boston College on the 28th. So um, schedule's not going to be easy by any means, but I think going into that bye with a win, I think is huge. UMass, man, they, they fooled us there for, for a second. We thought with that they were winning at halftime, and I know I, I don't think I'm speaking just for myself, but I think a lot of us thought, okay, could this – can they finally beat a good team, and can they finally put a, put a team away? Can they win a game, especially against a team we didn't think they could beat? No, they ended up losing 41-24. Asked Tom Brown directly today, um, you know, when the wins aren't coming, what are you looking for in practice, you know, to make sure guys aren't checking out? And he basically stopped me, you know, before I even finished the question, he said there's none of that. Um, and I think it shows with the way, you know, how competitive they've been. He keeps saying it. At the very least, every single one of these games is very competitive. Um, they they do look like a different team. The results just aren't coming. Um, and again, he said today, we have to get over that hump. We have to get that second one and then not look back. That's their mentality right now, and uh, it's not going to happen this weekend. They're at Penn State. Uh, that might get ugly. But overall, I do still think they're playing hard for him, and it sounds like the same conversation that we've been having for three years, but they're not the same team. And I know that's frustrating for UMass fans, but there is progress in the losses. So um, I do think they'll win at least two, maybe three games this year. Uh, and it's still a step forward. Yeah. As far as remaining schedule is concerned, they go to Penn state, they go to army, they come back home from Merrimack, then they play Liberty and Yukon. So that's what's left on the schedule form. I think it's one of those things where when you look at that, on paper, they'll be the favorites against Merrimack. And then even if you gave them that one, and no disrespect to Dan Curran's Warriors, but even if you gave them that one, you're looking at maybe one more win. So you're looking at probably a 3-9 and nine season, which 
again, I think I think based on what we were saying going into the season, I think that would be a disappointing season. It certainly is progress. You have to say that, but I still think it it has to be considered a disappointing season. And finally, Boston College. And before we actually get to BC, I mentioned Merrimack. Big win. You were there, Kevin. 45-30, what was it? 45-34, I think. They beat Stonehill in a game that Merrimack dominated for three quarters. Stonehill made a late push in the fourth. That Stonehill offense came to life after struggling the last couple of weeks. But all of a sudden now, Merrimack looks like they might be the team to beat in the NEC. Yeah, real quick. Did you want to go to UMass? Oh, no. I just, with UMass, felt like you really – it's so funny. Like, we've been doing these pod, these uh, live streams and stuff for a long time, and we always come back with the same thing as you got to be patient with UMass. And you still really do, even though, you know, you want more – you want more progress, right? You want more to see, but you're right. They are a, l- a little bit more competitive. These games are, are are games until the fourth quarter or whatever it might be. So I feel like, um, you know, I don't know what, where the wins are going to come. They have a couple games where they could be on even footing. But I just feel like, you know, I still feel like Don Brown is the guy for it because if, if he's not – then no one is because Don Brown's is about as good as you could, you could get when you did your last coaching search. So it, it's tough right now. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, as far as you, um, as far as Merrimack goes, I was so impressed with their offense. They just lost Gavin McCusker, their quarterback last week to a broken collarbone. Makai Anthony comes in and um, leads the offense. Um, Wadley was huge for them. Um, Tyvon Edmonds, was huge for them. There is skill all over that side of the ball. And then defensively, you want to talk about a physical team. Um, they were flying around. There was a ton of hard hitting in that game. Stonehill was a good team with a good offense. And Merrimack was up 31-6 to going into the fourth. So uh, it was a dominant performance from them. And you're right, John. They The NEC is wide open. I mean, they're the only team at 500, I think, overall. Everybody else is 2-3. and three. You know, something like that. So that conference is going to come down to the last weekend uh, of the season, and they should be right in that in that conversation like we thought they would be at the, the, the beginning of the year. It's just kind of taking them a little while to get going. Well, if they can get that offense going, I think that's going to be huge yeah. for them because their defense has kept them in a lot of games so far. But if they can get that offense going, that's going to be a huge bonus for them. And, of course, finally, Boston College – Comes from behind up at Mikey Stadium at West Point to beat Army on Saturday. In the elements, 27-24. Thomas Castellanos with another huge game. In many ways, he saved the Eagles. Boston College improves to 3-3. They have a bye this week before they go down and face the Georgia Tech team that upset Miami over the weekend. Then, of course, they play UConn at home the following weekend on the 28th. Um, Look, they're 3-3. And And given how this season started – and all the talk about Jeff Halfley being on the hot seat and his job possibly being on the line. Kudos to, the, to him and this football team. They've kept it together. They've won a couple in a row. And I told you guys, if they could find a way to get on a little run here, get to five and three, now all of a sudden you have a shot at a bowl game and all this talk about his job being on the line and, and who's going to replace him, that's going to get tabled. Now I think at three and three, if they go down and win in Atlanta in a couple of weeks, then you beat UConn here. 
I don't think seven wins is out of the reach of, of possibility at that point. That This team is trending in the right direction after a rough start. I was just going to say, Syracuse and Pitt are not really what we thought they were going to be. Those are very winnable games now, too. So my 9-3, and three, it sounded crazy at the time. Um, and I'm not saying they're going to get there, but... It's not going to happen because he's not catching 12 touchdown passes, so... No, I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah, I think the world of you, but you might want to get out of the prognostication business. That's fine. Um, no, but this team, you, you mentioned it, and you have it for a while. The schedule winds up for them. And, and as far as Thomas Castellanos, um, he might be sort of that next big thing for BC. They need to do everything in their power to make sure he doesn't jump in the portal again. You know, Zay Flowers was offered six figures by multiple teams uh, last year. What is this kid going to get offered in the offseason uh, if he keeps doing what he's doing now? Look, I know he's a sophomore. He's got a long way to go. Um, and there's still questions about his arm, his accuracy, and decision-making. But in terms of being a playmaker, BC hasn't had a kid like him in a long time at the quarterback position. Um, they could have found something special with him they need to do everything that they can to keep this kid. I completely agree with you, Kev. I think he's the number one thing that BC has going in its favor right now. Like he just because the thing is with with when teams have to defend him too, that opens things up for Garwo, and that opens things up for downfield throws. It opens up so much of your playbook, um, and so I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what he becomes. And you, you're right. He, he, if he goes to another team, it'd be terrible for BC. But um, that's that's just college football today. Um, but um, but I think I don't remember ever seeing a season quite like they're having because look at it. Their losses: Northern Illinois by three in overtime, Florida State by two, and then Louisville was the the lone blowout loss. And then the wins, the win over Holy Cross by three, the win over Virginia by three, and the win over Army by three. I mean, the, I mean, this is a razor thin margin. This team could be, you know, five and one or one and five. You know, it's right. It, like it, it's kind of crazy. Like it, I mean, so I just think, you know, anything's possible. And you do look at the end of their schedule. We and we talked about this at the beginning of the year. They don't have a really tough schedule. It's kind of like a down year for the ACC, even for teams like Pittsburgh. Like you said, Kev, Pittsburgh, they're not all that. And Syracuse is starting to, you know, show a little rust as well. And even Miami, Miami's probably got more talent, but they are dumb. <laughs> you saw what happened with that Georgia Tech game. They're a dumb football team, and dumb football teams can lose to inferior talented teams. So I just think that the Castellanos – he came out of nowhere. Like nobody knew about this guy at the beginning of the season. And now he's basically their best player. So I'm excited to see where it goes from here. That's the craziest part. He was not QB one two months ago. No, like it's, it's insane what he's done. And we really do. We have to mention real quick. Speaking of Pitt, Phil Dukovic now a tight end. What a wild fall from grace for him. Um, just a crazy story. Yeah. I'm glad he's, you know, you know, I'm glad he's playing still. You know, some kids would quit if they're put in that position, but I'm I'm happy to see that he's still fighting and trying to make something of it. Yeah, it it is that that is crazy. I mean, on the one hand, it's sad to think that a year ago we year and a half ago, I should say, not a year ago, but 
year and a half ago, we were talking about him possibly being a first-round pick at quarterback whenever he came out. And now he transitions to tight end. And, I mean, could he play there? Yeah. I mean, he's a big athletic kid. He's strong. But, man, it's it's unbelievable to think that this kid was 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 being talked about as potentially being the next Ben Roethlisberger, and now we're talking about him playing tight end. It's it's crazy. And it's all right, real quick before we wrap up the show, of course, we're going to talk a little high school football here, and you can get more high school football talk on Wednesday night when me, Adam, and Tyler Amaral do our high school football preview show. You can get some more college talk as well when me and Ryan Barry do our college football preview show again. Both shows are going to be on Wednesday night, high school football preview show at 8, college preview show at 9. Adam, you were at what you called one of the best high school football games you've ever seen on Friday night between Catholic Memorial and Zavarian. That was an unbelievable finish. First things first, kudos to both teams for playing a great game. And kudos to John DiBiazzo for having the coconuts to make that play call there to win the game. What 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 a game and what a finish. And also what an atmosphere. Both stands were completely full, and then you had fans around the edges all filling in that, like sometimes two, three deep. So I don't know how many people it was exactly, but it was a ton of people. I mean, the and that's one of the fun things about those teams playing each other is they're so – like. CM is like a 10-minute drive from Zavarian, maybe 15, uh, who knows. But it was, look, that was as good of a football game, college pro high school, that I've I've seen and been in person for. Um, both offenses were tremendous. Henry Hasselbeck played a great game at quarterback for Zavarian. Denzel Pierre had an awesome game at running back for Zavarian. Uh, but then uh, CM really just uh, – had a great answer. Uh, LaShawn Sharp, who threw the touchdown pass. What happened was it was, it was 38-35 Zavarian, and CM drove all the way down to the six-yard line. And to, and, and I, th- I, I think they were the ones who took the timeout. But they had time to discuss it. And when they come back on the field, I'm right on the field. When they come back on the field, they get in a power like, – like a, like a power eye formation with, like, tight ends, two fullbacks, and a running back. And I'm like, they're trying to score from six yards out with this thing? They're going to run it? What are they doing? And then ball snap, he flips it back to him. And as soon as he flips it back to him, you can see that LaShawn was sort of flattening out towards a horizontal run. So he wasn't going towards it. And that's when I saw, you know, the tight end was there. And I was just able to get it on film. It was a, actually a pretty decent throw, a little low. Um and, and, and Haggerty made the catch. And it was just an amazing moment to be there at the time the place went nuts. And, again, both schools had a ton of fans there. And it was really the best that you get out of high school football when two teams that really oppose each other are going at it like that. And it's just it was, it was great theater. And that's the one thing. I've talked to you guys both about this. But this year, I don't think any of the best teams are head and shoulders above the rest. I think that there's this sort of parity at the top. Those four teams that Springfield Central, St. John's Prep, CM, Zavarian, all those teams that get a chance to play each other are going to be in classics. And you also saw Springfield Central beat uh, Zavarian a few weeks ago, 44 to 41. This game was 41-38. I mean, classics. If this is anything to bode well for the future. It's going to be an amazing second half of the season. 
I was over at uh, St. John's Prep Friday night. You want to talk about dominant. Uh, 35 nothing at the half. The score ended that way. Entire second half was running time. St. John's turned the ball over. It's first four possessions. Um, in typical Brian Sapier fashion, wasn't thrilled with the win. Uh, the offense had some hiccups, but uh, they're, they're as dominant as, as they've been. And um, Adam, you mentioned it. They're not maybe head and shoulders above you know, the upper echelon, but when you get to that second tier, teams can't compete with them. Um, they're still sort of right there. So, uh, And it's more of a passing offense than a rushing offense this year. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but um, prep is still prep, and uh, I can't believe we are in week six already. Yeah, it is crazy that we're already in week six. Some other uh, games of note, I was at the Milford-North Attleboro game on Friday night, Thursday night, I was at the Norwood Holliston game. Norwood coming from behind to beat Holliston 25 24 in a great, great game. Hat tip to Manny Lopes and the Mustangs for coming from behind to win that one. Big win for that program. Mustangs 4 and 1. Now they're in the driver's seat to win the Tri Valley Large. Milford looked really good in their 33 13 win over North. Uh, you, you got the thing with Milford is, and I said this to people all weekend, I think where they're a little different. Then what we've seen the last two years is they're balanced. They can throw the football, but they can run. They can run Arujo at you at running back. They can run Scudo at you at running back. Buckley, a quarterback, can move, and he could create in and out of the pocket. They're going to be a tough team to play in Division Three. They're going to be a factor not only in the Hawk, but in D3 as well. Of course, Saturday we have the big one, Tewksbury and Bill Ricca. Tewksbury wins a close uh, – Bill Ricca, rather, wins a close one setting up a big-time matchup this week against Methuen, and which should be a really, really good game on Friday night. That'll be one of the games that uh, we'll be covering for you. Um, in out-of-state action, one of the big, uh, the biggest game in Vermont was Middlebury and Hartford. Hartford beat Middlebury 35-21. Hurricanes are now 6-0 on the season, number one team in Vermont. Down in Connecticut, and beat St. Joe's. St. Joe's has had their number in recent years, but and wins big. They're back on track now. They are they improved to four and one with that win. And then, of course, on Friday night, Friday night down in Rhode Island, Cumberland picked up a big 21-8 win over St. Ray's. You also had Hendrickin that was in action on Thursday night with a big win over Cranston West. And then, of course, you had LaSalle and North Kingstown in that one. Uh, and in that one, and uh, hold on one second here. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, just wanted to get that score up. I thought I had it pulled up, but I didn't. So I want to apologize for that. Um, and that one, LaSalle beat North Kingstown 42-21. They host Bishop Hendrickin on Friday night. Our Mike Scandura will be there for that one for the annual showdown between LaSalle and Hendrickin. Usually they play twice a year because they end up playing each other in the state title game. Despite the Rams' slow start, it appears that that might be the case again this year, that those two um, might end up meeting again in the state title game in November. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we put a bow on this one? No, it's been a fun uh, football season to this point, and I think if anything is the lesson to take away from that Zavarian CM game, it'll be a lot of great games down the stretch. Yeah, uh, we'll be at plenty of games Friday, plenty of games Saturday. Um, and also go subscribe and uh, head to the store if you can. We appreciate it. Yeah, please do. I mean, we, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your business. 
You can get a uh, New England Football Journal membership for $2.99 a month. Basically, if you're willing to give up one cup of coffee a month, you can get some of the best football coverage in New England Patriots, Division One college, high school, recruiting, coaching hires, NFL draft, NFL free agency, Patriots draft, Patriots free agency. We cover it all. We're all football all the time, folks. There is no basketball season for us. There's no hockey season. There's no lacrosse season. There's no baseball season. It's all football all the time. So if you could subscribe, $2.99 a month, it's well worth it for what we provide for content. If you cannot provide, visit our team shop, Shop NEFJ. We've got some great gear. Kevin is wearing one of the hats you could buy. I'm wearing one of the hats you can buy. I'm wearing one of the sweatshirts you can buy. It's great swag. We keep it nice and simple with our color scheme. It's stuff that you can wear casually or uh, wear to a night out on the town. So, again, any support you could give us, we appreciate. Uh, proceeds go back into the business so we can continue to produce the kind of content that you want. And uh, I'd like to think that when it comes to cumulative content, we're as good as anybody in this market. All right, guys, great job as always. We'll do this again next Monday. For Kevin Stone and Adam Kirkchen, I'm John Serenitas. Till next time, peace. See you.